There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 53 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of March 26th, 2007. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm going to be taking along on my excellent adventures through the world of short Masonic educational papers. Some of these papers have been presented in my lodge, King George Lodge, number 59, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's piece is sort of keeping with the theme of explaining a little bit of what happens in, in the early degrees, and talks more about the, uh, this one is of the cable and the cable toe, some of the history of it, and leading up into how it's applied in, uh, in Freemasonry. This, uh, this was a, based on a playlet that was done by Brothers Garth Cochran and Barry Maynard of Calgary Lodge number 23, here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So we'll take a look at what is a cable and a cable toe and how it's used in the Navy and then how that, uh, that is similarly used in a Masonic format in regards to uh, keeping within a cable toe's length and lodge. So here we go. The Cable by Brothers Cochran and Maynard. Our Freemasonry started in Britain, and it's important to bear that in mind when we are researching the questions such as what is a cable. What are the traditions there at the end at the time that would have affected the development of the craft? Clearly, the naval tradition which made Britain a major power from the time of Elizabeth I would have been paramount. In fact, the concept of cable, cable toe, and certain portions of our first degree ritual come directly from that naval tradition. To explain, first, what is a cable or a rope? So we start with some fibers which are just a jumbled mess of short pieces of oakum without direction or form. If we twist these fibers together, we can make them into yarn. That yarn, however, is a long way from being a rope. In fact, we can twist, twist several yarns, yarns together to make a strand. A number of strands, usually three, are laid up to form a rope. These such ropes are laid up together to make a cable. But why doesn't a rope simply unravel and leave you with a pile of fibers? Ah, it's all in the twist. Rope is made of three or more strands which are attached at one end to a mechanical device which winds each of them equally. The, the other end of the ropes are attached to a freewheeling bobbin so that they may be spun around each other as the twist is applied. Each part of the rope is, t is trying to untwist but its close contact with its neighbor counteracts that tendency to unravel and causes strands to wind around each other. The fibers stay together, and this is what gives cable to its strength. Now, all cables on board a ship are of the same length. That's because of the length of the rope walk where they were made. Some are 100 fathoms, some could be as long as 130. In the British Navy, the standard length of cable is 100 fathoms, or 600 feet. That was chosen because it was one-tenth of a nautical mile. Thus, the cable is used as a measure of distance. Now we come to the first degree. Life in the British Navy from the time of Elizabeth I to this century was governed by the Articles of War. Each Sunday these articles were read to the men so that they would be constantly reminded of their duty and of the penalties for shirking it. Included in these articles is a penalty for treason. A man found guilty of treason would be hanged from the yardarm and, after being left there for a suitable period of time, would be taken down and buried. To ensure there was no honor to the traitor, the Oracle of Wars specified that the burial was a cable's toe length 
from or 600 feet from shore. Burial on the Todd Flats is neither an honorable burial at sea nor on land. This is where the garbage of both land and sea are thrown together to rot. But when burying a trader, the Navy looked for a large tidal flat and dumped the body a cable's tow length from shore. In fact, both main anchorages at this time of sail, Spitehead and Nor at the mouths of the Thames and at Portsmouth, have such extensive tidal flats. They were the only places where enough captains could be brought together to hold a court-martial. That cover, so that covers the cable and the burial. But what about the cable tow? I mentioned that a cable is a rope of 600 feet. But when a tug is towing a ship, there is almost always more than they are almost always more than 600 feet apart. That's because a cable and a cable tow aren't the same thing. A cable is a rope of a specified length. When you make up a tow, we might tie or bend bend together several cables. The number of cables needed to make up a tow depends on several factors. First, how heavy is the tow? A light object isn't hard to move, but a heavy one is. Now a short rope has a little give in it, a very little stretch. If you attach a light object to it, it will pull it. But if you tie something heavy, it will break before it starts to move the other tow through the water. A longer rope has more stretch and more give in it. So, two with a cable tow. The tug's force is applied more slowly, giving time to overcome the inertia of the disabled ship and get it moving before the cable snaps. The burden of the ship is not the only factor that determines the length of a cable tow. The condition of the sea is also very important. If the sea is calm, a shorter cable tow is enough. Once you get the tow moving, it will follow smoothly. However, if the sea is rough, then a longer cable tow is needed. The tow may be trying to climb back over, over one wave while the tug is surging down the front another. If the tow is too short, then there isn't enough give to allow the tug and the tow to move apart, and the rope will snap. So, the heavier the burden, and or the rougher the conditions, the longer the cable tow. The point is that the terms we use in masonry today have their basis in real terms and real penalties. That gives them both a strength and a sense of purpose to anyone who comes to understand their origins. I have now explained the construction of a cable and how it may be used both as a unit of length and as a cable tow. But, you may ask, what does this have to do with Freemasonry? The second thing to understand is that the depth of meaning available to us to use the cable as a metaphor in Freemasonry. As the cable is made of many parts put together for a common purpose, so might we look at Freemasonry. The cable consists of individual fibers work together to form strands. These strands are laid together to make up ropes, and the ropes to form a cable. As separate entities, the fibers have little strength. However, when organized into a cable, their strength is immense. So it is with Freemasonry. A Masonic cable is made up of individuals which form a lodge. Lodges organized into districts, and districts unite into a grand lodge. And as three ropes entwined produce a strong cable, so too does virtue, morality, and brotherly love give strength to Freemasonry. Further, a cable gains its strength from three equal ropes laid together. Each rope is as important as the whole to the whole as the other ones are. So it is with the three degrees of Freemasonry. One should not be tempted to forget the lessons of the entered apprentice or the fellow craft degrees just because we've been raised to the sublime degree of a master mason. As a strong cable is made up of three ropes entwined, the strength of a lodge comes from the three great lights, the three lesser lights, and the three principal officers, and the three pillars denoting wisdom, strength, and beauty. 
A cable's great strength is only apparent when it is put to use. So it is with Freemasonry. The strength of our craft remains hidden until it is put to use. We can also think of the cable tow as the bond connecting the individual brother to his lodge and to the Grand Lodge, those venerable institutions that give direction to a brother in his journey throughout life. Consider what we've just presented. The cable tow, which connects the tug to the barge at sea, is not of a specified length. In fact, the amount of cable let out by the tug as it attempts to direct the course and speed of the barge depends on the conditions of the sea and the burden of the tow. The heavier the burden and the rougher the sea, the longer the cable tow that is necessary. Strange as it may seem, in stormy seas, a tug actually gives more secure guidance and direction with a longer cable tow. So too with our Masonic cable tow, that, bonds, that bond which binds a brother to his lodge and to the craft. What about a brother who finds himself encountering stormy seas, or who finds the burdens of his responsibilities bear heavy upon him? Undue pressure from the lodge or from his brothers to attend meetings, participate in degree work, or to be a good mason may cause his cable tow to snap and sever his bond with the craft. Finally, once the nautical cable tow is severed, the state of the seas or the poorer conditions of the disabled ship may make recovery of the tow impossible. The ship, therefore, is lost while the tug stands by helpless. So might a brother be lost to the craft, and masonry would then be impoverished. So there we have it. A little explanation about the cable, the cable tow, both its history and its application in uh, modern Freemasonry. I actually found that to be kind of an interesting piece. I like the way that it all comes together at the end there and talks about uh, the cable tow length uh, for Freemasons and how you, you need to give someone a little bit more more slack when they're, uh, they're going through their stormy waters. So that's it for this week. I just want to give a, a shout out to... Uh, the Brethren of Bow River Lodge, number one here in Calgary. I had an opportunity to go and see them raise a couple Master Masons this past week and was had a enjo very enjoyable time with them. And they, it's interesting that I uh, talked to people from around the world in regards to this uh, this podcast that I'm doing and walked in there and there was a whole handful of them that, uh, that knew and had been following the episodes. So <laughs> here I am talking with people from around the world and lo and behold, I have a a fairly good number of, uh, of brethren right here in the in the city that uh, are listening to it. So until next time, I've been your host Scott, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, our excellent adventure through the world of uh, short Masonic pieces. And if you'd like to get a transcript of this, you can always come visit our website at www.kingeorgelodge.com. So until next time, keep the shiny side up. <laughs>